Welcome to the JMS Podcast. My name is Jorge M. Sanchez, and thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is David Mejia. Uh, we had a good talk about art. We had a good talk about some politics. And overall, I think uh, you listeners will enjoy this conversation. A lot. There's a lot to really learn from here. Thank you for all those people who support this podcast. Uh, thank you once again to all the listeners and to all my friends who uh, uh, help continue this uh, special project here in San Jose, California. But although I'm broadcasting from San Jose, I want to thank everyone else who's listening in from other parts of the nation and other parts of the world and really getting to know who these guests are and the creative endeavors that they are embarking in their journey. All right. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the JMS Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can follow this podcast uh, through all social media. Well, actually most. I can't say all. I'm not really on Snapchat. Uh, which I'm getting a lot of backlash for among my, my peers. They say, you got to get on Snapchat, man. You're missing out. It's like, really? Am I? I don't think so. But you can definitely follow JMS Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Oh, there's always some extra content on those things. So uh, I think it's pretty good for you to check it out. If you want it all in one place, though, you can please visit the JMSPodcast.com website. All the content is right there. And please consider donating to this podcast. Uh, you can do it either through Patreon or through GoFundMe. Uh, anything helps, and it all goes towards um, upgrading equipment, such as <laughs> my audio interface. Uh, we, we did have some uh, technical difficulties towards the end of this interview, and uh, I might have to replace my audio interface, and any donations helps out towards that cause. And uh, before we get to the... Um, to the interview, I want to talk a couple things about with you listeners. Um, well, first of all, uh, something amazing happened to me on Friday night. On Friday night, yeah. I was walking around. Ever since I graduated from San Jose State and I got this full-time job, um, not related to anything, to what I, I do creatively, which I'm not too complaining too much about because it is a steady income, what I do. And uh, I do get along for the most part to my uh, co-workers and managers. So I can't complain too much. It's, it's a good job, good pay, good benefits. But I don't really hang out anymore to where I, I used to be inspired so much was hanging out with the artistic community in downtown San Jose. I mean, when I was in high school, I mean, high school when I was in college, that's where I would hang out, you know. In, in Sofa District and other parts of downtown. And that's where I'm, I met a lot of amazing, talented people as well that helped me through my projects and vice versa. So on Friday night, uh, it turns out that I had nothing to do at all. And I decided to take a walk downtown. I was like, why not? I haven't done that for a while. Like it's been like a month or two. And sure enough, uh, the place has... Uh, it has changed a bit where there's a lot more people out now. The music scene is growing. Like, uh, like I was totally amazed that on Sofa District on a Friday night and Saturday night, there's just a multitude of different music venues going on at the same time and people packing out the places. It was an amazing thing. And as I, I continued down to uh, Santa Clara, you know, uh, still, you still see familiar faces, uh, people who... Uh, tragic heroes along the downtown streets. Of course, there's always uh, the lovers. And there's always the uh, heartbroken um, shadows that walk along with you. And 
I went over to get some Korean food on Homes, which is an amazing place to get Korean food. Um, and it's cheap too. And I just sat down outside, taking in the night, taking in the people. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's funny how you take things for granted when you're no longer part of a of an area of creativity. And I was, and then I walked back to my car, and before I knew it, where well, there used to be a Ross um, department store, I heard music, and I saw arts, like a gallery out of nowhere, there. And they have these automatic doors that open up, that have sensors that open up when you get to a certain point, and it almost like magic. As soon as I stopped and I looked inside, the doors opened for me. I was like, whoa. It was like a whole different world in there. And I and I walked in and I was amazed that I was surrounded by art. I was surrounded by music and overall like people were in there. And, and then I went down and then I ran into a, a, an artist friend of mine, Francisco. He was a guest on this podcast as well, Francisco Ramirez. And he's like, yeah, man, this is a local color. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a pop-up thing and they're doing some amazing things in there. So all you listeners tuning in, I highly recommend you guys to go check it out. Local Color, it's on First Street between uh, Post and Santa Clara Street. And uh, I was totally in for a surprise. And I was like, dude, I was out of like, I, I was like out of, I didn't get the memo of this place. And it just reminded me a bit of The Forger, uh, which is currently under construction. But how The Forger was, where it's like, uh, the these, these local artists are taking advantage of these open spaces and creating some beautiful areas for uh, anybody to just walk in and, and have a good time and, and really admire the local talent around here. So that's what I got to say about that is uh, <laughs> the one night I go back downtown to to recapture and, and I, got, I get fully surprised and re-inspired. And uh, one of the many ways that this community really, really is uh, amazing. It really is. And one of those amazing people in the community is David Mejia, such a talented artist. So let's get to his interview right now. I'm notorious for that. I'm notorious for like coughing on my interviews. With my cold, I'll like bad coughing fits. I have to like stop for a second. I'm good. I, I... Took some cough syrup and hot tea going, and I, yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> for uh, now, for right uh, now. <laughs> like we were mentioning earlier that we got sick uh, because something is going around. Mm-hmm. For me, I had a combination of hot tea, Nyquil, Dayquil, uh, f- uh, the uh, the Terraflu. What's the Terraflu? So it's called. I've just been taking whatever's in the yeah. cupboard. My wife, oh, she sure. she, you know, girls are they they have all these exotic teas. I'm like, whatever, just tea, give me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you more of a tea guy than a coffee guy? I'm more of a frappuccino guy. I don't like. I don't drink coffee at all. I don't really like. I only drink tea when I'm sick. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. So I've drank so much tea. I just. I'm sick of it. I can't wait to stop drinking tea. It's just. <laughs> so you're more of frappuccino, caffeine. Yeah, sugar. You know. I'm sure. But I try to limit that because it's ultimately not good for you to have too much. So. Mm. It's like a big event. I'm like, oh, Frappuccino. I get to have Frappuccino this time of the week, finally. Yeah. But David, I'm excited to have you here. Because uh, mm-hmm. you're you're not a strange face. I've seen you around. Oh, uh, yeah. Talk, okay. talk about Frappuccino. I think I, I ran into you uh, in the middle of your work at a Cafe Frascati. 
Ah, uh, okay. They don't have Frappuccinos there, do they? No. They do, but um, it's the original type where they don't put tons of sugar, you know, because <laughs> he models it after this. Um, Roger models it after a uh, cafe in Italy, I believe, that's actually called Cafe Frascati. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe it, my wife told me, you know, this, this is how it's supposed to taste. And, you know, being an American consumer, I'm like, yeah, but where's the sugar? Yeah. <laughs> where's the sweetness to it? Yeah, I love the atmosphere of Cafe Frascati, and he's a great guy. I love the place. I hope it stays, and I'll still go there more often. But well, I think you add such a great element to the atmosphere because you're out there, and you got your your um your uh, what's My it called easel. your easel, yeah, and you're working on like different types of of paintings. Of, mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm not sure if you noticed, like a while back, I remember because I remember I was looking over your shoulder because I was really mesmerized about what you were doing. And mm-hmm. you you're mostly doing caricatures, right? Yeah, I do that. Um, yeah. That's my bread and butter, pretty much. I do events. I mean, I do, like I do events and I do um, private parties. And uh, <clears throat> and you just practice at, at a cafe and you get down to it. Yeah, I love the atmosphere of a cafe. You know, it's it's outside. I can get out of the apartment. Um, there's people there. You can see the world going by, and it's it's nice to get out. You know, it's it's got kind of a, for lack of a better term, kind of a Europey thing going. You mm-hmm. just like you hang out at a cafe. I'd love to go to Europe and just sit at a cafe and paint. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Have you traveled out much? No, not very much. Um, been in Cal, born and raised in California. Um, what part of California? Here, San, wait, are we in San Jose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. San Jose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm so north. Like that, people mm. forget this is part of San Jose. I get yeah. that a lot. People are like, "Well, you're from North San Jose." I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "Oh, oh yeah. is that like, like Japantown?" <laughs> like, no, like way north. <coughs> like, if, if, if this was um, what's that show on HBO, Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have been the the, the 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 what were they called? The the zombies, oh, the white zombies. Yeah, the white the white, the white walkers. walkers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me like I, I would. Pro- I'm so north. I'm probably the white walkers of San mm-hmm. Jose. <laughs> Think about it. So you were born and raised here in San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Back in conceived in downtown, I believe. Either that or along the road near Mount Madonna in a car. <laughs> wow. Either that? way, I was incubated in downtown San Jose. <laughs> Man, you, San Jose's yeah. in your blood. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> what, what you, what's the story behind that? Like, what, what did your parents do? Um, my mother was uh, at the time. I believe she was working at IBM. Back when that was a big thing, <clears throat> in the mid '70s, I was born in '75. My father was—he uh, started off laying pipe in Watsonville. He came up from Mexico, and then he started working in a factory, like one of the last factories in downtown San Jose. There's like a—it's across from the cemetery. There's this big cemetery. I forgot the names of the street. Is this on the east side? Uh just outside of downtown. Uh-huh. Um, there's this big cemetery off of Monterey, and across it now is a big shopping <gasps> oh, center. Oh, it's a Kurtner. Yes, Kurtner. Okay, it used yeah. to be a it used to be a factory. One of the last factories. The cemetery was. No, across the street right. from the cemetery. The plant. The what? Is that what they call it? The plant. I, I never go there. Is it called the plant? Yeah, it's okay. a, it's a big shopping area, and they okay, call it yeah. the plant. And they got these like uh, like a uh, factory kind of uh, statues and stuff. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and they you know they got the usual. Uh, um, you know, consumer yeah. stuff like Best yeah. Buys and other so he worked at a she so worked at a cannery there up until like the early '80s, I believe. Um, but yeah, he's working in a factory. Actually, he was he was um, he was helping my grand my mother's father as a secretary. My grandfather did taxes for um, mostly for um, Mexican immigrants. 
he specialized in that he would do taxes like dirt cheap and he and so that's how my mother and father met <clears throat> she needed her taxes done no um my grandfather whoops my mother's father did the taxes oh i'm sorry so my father <laughs> came to work for my mother's father right oh okay and that's how they met so oh, that's cute <laughs> Yeah, because he can type. You know, he can lay pipe and he can type. I guess that makes sense. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you got you got an interesting background there. So you, mm-hmm. you got you got both the uh, the administrative and 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 the uh, blue collar job in you. Yeah. Um, my mother worked at IBM as first as a secretary and then a something else. I forget what it was. Um, and then my grand my dad laid pipe. He could do like typing. Um, but then he went to work for him. He just worked for himself. He would go down to the, um, what's it called? He would go down to the, uh, the Goodwill, the Goodwill kind of places. And he would like get a lot of junk, come home, fix it up and sell it at the flea market, either Capital or, um, Berryessa. And, um, that, that's how he managed to make money. He just, he was very independent. He didn't like working for other people. He had that entrepreneur factor in him i'd say just more stubborn because he did he didn't make much <laughs> money my grandfather was the same yeah. way he never worked for anyone he had his own business doing taxes but he didn't make much money he just he just was fiercely independent mm. and yeah, to, I, to some people that's that's what matters the most uh is is you know <clears throat> having things done their way although mm. m- maybe not successful but at least they're they're doing it on their own terms right it's also a very american very western thing you know just it's about me that's why a lot of our funerals they'll play the elvis song i did it my way <laughs> even if you're a total fuck up in your life <laughs> so long as you did it your way you know did you did you feel like you picked up some of that from from your father yes definitely from my father and my grandfather i'm i don't want to work for anyone else i I have a hard enough time working with a client, you know, right. um, but at least I can be independent. I can go from one client to the next and I'm just drawing pictures for clients individually. I didn't, I, I, when they said, you know, you go to college so that you can get a degree so you can work for somebody that never appealed to me. Right. Um, so needless to say, I was, I did pretty bad in school, but when I got out of school, I, that's when I really got interested in um, learning like history. I got just ferociously interested in history and started reading and reading and sociology and philosophy after I got out of the, basically the, the assembly line stuff where, you know, they churn you out so you could work for a corporation. I didn't, I just, from the beginning, didn't want to do that. I wanted to work for myself. I want to do my own thing. That's what I'm doing. I go to events, I go to gigs and I draw, I draw people. I draw, I draw their heads. <clears throat> and if they want to be like a superhero or something, I do that too. And I do it really fast. How'd you get into that? It was kind of a, it was seven years ago in downtown San Jose, a woman named, uh, Cheryl, um, Sherry. Oh my God. Sherry Lakey. Sherry Lakey. Yeah. Yeah. And the Brian Edo. Edo. Uh, the Anno Domini. Uh, Anno Domini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were putting on, um, they were putting on uh, the uh, first street. They're still doing it. They're just putting on the first street art walk. And that's been going, dude. I don't know, but yeah. I, I don't know how it was back then, but how I see it now. It's, it's like, grown. It's great. I yeah. saw the very first one and I see what it is now. It's grown a lot. <clears throat> so I was just vending. I was vending a comic book that I was doing. I also do a comic book. 
Um, I want to get into that later. Yeah. That's interesting. I was uh, working on a... And I always thought about, you know, maybe drawing people, but I don't know if I want to do it. I just decided to try it one time there, I think in 2009 or 2010. Um, and I had a long line of people. And I was like, oh, I've never been paid to draw before. This is really a trip, you know? <laughs> and I was 34, you know, it was kind of, I'm not like a kid, a fresh kid, but... It was like, wow, this is a trip. I can make money doing artwork. I thought that didn't happen. You're supposed to starve when you're an artist, right? That's that's how it works. So I just kept doing it. And then my wife suggested I do a renaissance festival. I wasn't sure about that. And Are you not into the whole renaissance thing? I wasn't sure. I wasn't into renaissance fairs at all, no. Um, I didn't know... like the banter I, I still don't like to do the banter you know oh come ye far hither <laughs> I, I can't even do it i can't even fake it right <clears throat> so i went and i had a long line of people and i'm like oh wow okay i guess fate has found me there there we go so i've been doing it ever since and i every time i do an event i try to have like like fresh work presented and i'm always like for the past seven years i always spend at least two hours every day trying to perfect my speed trying to be fast but also um accurate you know make it look aesthetically pleasing mm. so i could stay fresh you know interesting mm -hmm. are, are there any particular uh, exercises that you do that help with that um music i gotta put like some intense music on or even a podcast you know like, listen to like i like lately i've been listening to um social justice warriors kind of going off listen to listening to them rant it's kind of a trip hearing them go off you know i don't agree with most of what they're saying but it's it's very entertaining so it seems like you're trying to feed off that vibe to, to help you with your paintings and yeah well as far as vibes go it's mostly music like intense music um punk heavy metal electronic anything like high energy that can simulate what it's like being at an event where there's a lot of people when there's a lot of people i get really tense mm -hmm. And I got to channel all that energy into the art. And somehow it makes, I'm able to like draw fast and accurate, which is really hard to do when I'm just at home and comfortable. Cause my brain, my brain takes over. It's like, oh no, that line's not good. Oh God, the eye's all wrong. You know, when, when there's a line of people that's gone, I can't think anymore. I just got to draw. And so by creating, by having the music, I try to recreate it. It's not quite the same thing, mm -hmm. but you know, it's close and I just, at least I can, I get used to, to going fast and being fluent and being very fluid. Yeah. I, I've talked to a couple <coughs> artists who do live paintings for mm, events Yeah, and they say the same thing they're, or similar where they're like, you just have no time to mm -hmm. really reflect on what you're painting. You just right. got to do it because time's running out and you got a crowd looking at you and you just got to uh, figure it till you make it and just don't think and just draw something in anything. Yeah. It, it works. It's really weird. It's I, incredible. And it seems like, some amazing things come out of that pressure cooker kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, is that what you found? Like it has helped you at least to to uh, with your art and, and to expedite the process. It only helps me when it when I'm actually there. I can't recreate it on my own. I think that's that's the other reason why I go to cafes because I'm trying to recreate that intense that that tension because I'm I'm very much an introvert, so I get tense around lots of new people. So I use that. It's kind of like channel, chan, channeling the energy of uh, gravity to 
to like rockish to ricochet yourself around a planet you know I'm trying to use that and sometimes it can be a little too overwhelming you know but um it works mm. it does work so I, I do try and do that and considering the work you do is there a particular <coughs> uh set of uh special uh, art supplies that you rely on um i go very simple um because i like to carry it in my bag i just use watercolor uh, and a palette and paints and copic markers and um i usually practice on whatever paper i have um like really cheap like stationary paper because i go through so much paper and i just throw it away afterwards and then when i'm actually at an event i'll use the good paper Hmm. mixed media um but yeah i don't get like really fancy i usually i really budget down so that i'm not uh i mean you could buy like really really fancy paints and maybe i should i don't know i'm just i i don't like i don't like experimenting when i don't really have the money to throw around i'm really on a shoestring so i gotta make what little that i have stretch as much as possible yeah it's amazing. Very conservative about that. It's like you're a craftsman. It's not so, you can have the best or the worst tools. You'll still make it work. Yeah, yeah. I think the emphasis really should be on your skill more than on the um, the tool that you're using, mm-hmm. which is, I think, kind of radical to say when we have so much fancy technology now. I don't like using the computer that much. I, w- I can do it. I can use Photoshop. But I just don't like, it's not the same, just being on a mouse and painting and stuck in the house. I like to be outside and with the, with the, with the paper and with the brush and talking to people, you know, or having like the people around me, you know, it's, it's, it's more raw. It's more real, I think. Mm. <clears throat> now, when it comes to painting people and their caricatures, where do you start? Do you try to get a feel for who they are or do you ask certain questions? Hmm. If there's, it depends on if there's, um. If there's not if there's not a lot of people and I can take my time, then I'll talk with them. You know, I'll just shoot the breeze and I can, yeah. And we'll just talk about. I I, I find I can talk with people more easier when there's some object in front of, <laughs> like a speaker or yeah. an easel or something like that. I have a really hard time just talking to someone's face. It just makes me so nervous. I like yeah. fidget and I look around. But if there's a lot of people, then I really prefer not to talk. I just want to go from one person to the next. I just like, just like, like, like tunnel vision. I just focus on the art and then I can get it out way quicker. I start to get to like three minutes a person and it's entertaining because people are looking over my shoulder going, wow, look at that. Oh, wait. And I'm just, I don't even know how I'm doing it at that point. I'm like, how the hell am I doing this? This is incredible. Why can't I do this when I'm just at home on my own? I can't just, you know. Yeah, so in that sense, I'm not engaging people so much, but it doesn't matter. They're they're entertained, right? Except for the person right in front of me, he's just sitting there looking at me, <laughs> looking at me, that, looking that, back and forth. That stuff is awkward, right? To have them stand there? a little bit. Yeah. That's kind of people get awkward when when they're suddenly on the spot. They sit there and they start to giggle yeah. nervous. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. Yeah. And <clears throat> you know, I just yeah, whatever. You'll you'll get bored in a second. No worries. 
But back in the day, before photography, that's how you did it, right? Like today, it's so easy to po- point something and take a picture, instant. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, you know, those, those portraits, people used well, to yeah. draw of others. Uh, it's like they had to stand there for like hours almost, right? Well, yeah. Well, that, that was like a that was a commission usually by a wealthy person. It wasn't just like the village idiot, you know. That was <laughs> hey, draw my draw mine picture, you know. <laughs> it was a, it was a wealthy patron. It was a noble. It was a knight or someone, and they would. You know, the deal was that you would sit there for a while. Maybe they would like stop, and stop and start a lot. And um, and I think you know they didn't have, they didn't. I don't. I don't know if the word deadline existed at that time because it was such a different world. You know, Europe in the before the time of photography, you had to like sit. You had to be patient. It was just, it was just part of life because it was just a slower pace in general. Mm-hmm. You know, no pressure, right? Like, oh, you got to draw the king. I'm sure there was pressure to, to make them look good, you know. <laughs> and but, um, when it comes to caricatures, uh, you really got to study the face, right, to really uh, simplify it and get it down mm-hmm. um, on a faster pace. Yeah. But on top of that, you, you draw, you know, the, the outside of it, which is like uh, you draw them in certain places or doing certain things. Not usually. at an, If I'm just at an event, I'm just drawing their face, usually just straight on. Um if I'm at, I mean, excuse me, if I'm at a gig, I'm usually just drawing their face straight on. Um, if I'm at an event, like a comic book event, then I'm drawing their head and a superhero body. You know? mm-hmm. And then, um, yes, that's a little more complicated. And I'm adding color, too. So, Renaissance Fair, too. You know, I have to look at my notes and find a knight's body or something like that. Because I can't just do this from memory. I, I've never been able to do that yet. I, have, I need to see a reference. Oh, but my skill is being able to copy something that I see really fast and fairly and identifiably accurate. So before you di- did these caricatures, you were into comic book uh, illustrations? <clears throat> yeah. And um, yeah, I had this comic that I started back in the late 90s called uh, Ballman. It's about this, uh, just this round character because it was so easy to draw with a mouth. And he's just this foul mouthed horrific person who screams and yells and he gets in all sorts of trouble because he doesn't think yeah. he just reacts to everything and he's has such a bad attitude <clears throat> and um it was just easy to draw those you know i was just like making this and i was making like my fellow round table workers laugh by well, looking this was in 99 i think i was working at round table yeah. i worked at round table too oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh that's interesting so you were working at a pizza parlor and you were doing... Um, In my free time, yeah. I was just doodling this stuff. What was the inspiration be- behind a Ballman? Um, the inspiration was um, dealing with customers for the first time in my life. Um, oh, I, for an introvert, that must have been something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just working the desk and it's the first time I, I found like I, I had to respond to pushy customers. I had to be polite. I had to be like, excuse me, we were here before those people. Uh, hey, this this pizza is it's really weak. Did, did you do that on purpose? Every time I come here, it's like you people don't care. It's like I'm not I'm not a bad person. Why are you picking on me? Hey. And so it was just like this this when I first got this whole American consumer crap. Oh, I, I got this. You're at the bottom. You're at the bottom of the totem pole. I'm the consumer, and you're just a worker. And yeah, I'm gonna crap on you. And it's like, that's when I really started to hate people for the first time. You know. And so I just put it all into ball man, you know, you just get, ah, I hate this, I hate that, blah, blah. there's a lot of swearing, there's a lot of profanity, it's, 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 it's a very rude comic. Uh-huh. 
And yeah, that that's what fueled it in the beginning. How many issues did you create? I actually like public. I I made copies myself at, on a Xerox machine, and I got up to like number six. But I have enough backed up. I could probably do like twenty. I just there's so much work involved, and right. Oh, collating the pages, putting it together was so much work. I just it was easier just to make the comic and put it on a uh, a host site for free they put their advertising on it and there now people can see it and i don't have to do any i can move on to something else i'm so impatient about business stuff <laughs> were you a collector of comic books i was up until <clears throat> up until um i guess i guess till i left call i left uh, high school when i got into when i got into college what college did you go to well, I went to junior college, West Valley College. West Valley. And then I kind of messed around at um, you were Deanza and uh, some other one. I forgot. But. What were you studying? Oh, God, I couldn't focus on anything. I was like, yeah. I was, I couldn't focus on one thing. I First, I started with film. Yeah. And I just didn't have the discipline. I, I hated, I hated having to. Deal with people. Deal with so many people. You have yeah. to herd. It's like herding cats. It was horrible. <laughs> it can be, yeah. Yeah, I was. <laughs> such an introvert just sitting in my room drawing all the time and dreaming of being a director and then doing it it's like ugh yeah no thank you <laughs> it's tough man it's very tough i mean you got to you got to want be willing to be around that many people for that much time and know that that's going to be most of your life and i was just i'd rather draw i'd rather paint i've always done that um i also majored in painting um i tried majoring in astronomy i just i kept bouncing around Recently, I went back about four years ago, and I majored in um, computer animation. I learned Maya, mm. and rather than I started to hate it, also I just really hated Maya. But because I'm older and I have more discipline, because I've been do doing a business, I made myself stay and finish it. I finished all the way to the end, and now I know I don't ever want to do computer animation ever. Two-dimensional animation is more interesting. I, I think I'd like to do that. Like, take Ballman and make it do a two-dimensional. It's just a matter of finding the time because most of my time is spent um, working, doing the business. That, mm -hmm. That's where most of the time. And then doing my regular job at the uh, Martin Luther King Library. Mm -hmm. uh, so you were in college and you were bouncing around and, and then at this time you were into comic books. Mm -hmm. Was there a particular uh, series that you were into? It all starts with um, Charles Schultz and Peanuts. That's uh -huh. where you know, comic strips. That's that's what got me started in the sixth grade, going towards cartoons and comics and things like that. And then it eventually grew into. That was the time that um, Calvin and Hobbes came out. Right at that time in '89, uh, mm -hmm. and I became obsessed with that. <clears throat> and then um, then I got into comic books, but it was Carl Barks's Uncle Scrooge, Donald Duck, Nephew Adventures, which was where they got the idea for DuckTales. A lot of people don't know that. It actually started with Carl Barks back in the 50s. Um, and the Ninja Turtles, the original ones, not the cartoons that they had on in the 80, in the late 80s, early 90s, but the original cart comic books were like these really gritty, violent, black and white comics yeah. by Kevin Eastman and Peter Peter Laird, or Peter Laird, I forget how to say his last name. Uh huh. And then from that's when the Batman movie came out, um, the, the 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 Michael Keaton one in '89. So I, the then I got Tim Burton that. one. Yeah, the Tim Burton one. I love that one. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was a great one. I got more into the soundtrack though. I love the soundtrack to that movie so much, and I would read 
Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns while listening to the soundtrack. The the um, Brian Eno, Brian Eno. No, Danny Elfman. The uh-huh. Danny Elfman soundtracks. Right. And um, Incredible Hulk, and then I then I stopped. Then I got into Native American dancing, and that was a whole different thing. Oh, what's the story behind that one? Um, with that, I was always interested in Indians. Do, do you have any uh, uh, Native American in you? I do. Um, I took a genet- uh, one of those um, tests, those, those DNA tests. You, know, you, you drool into a vial, and, you, and I'm about 32% Native American. It's kind of spread around. There's like California Indian, Mexican Indian, Mayan. And I didn't know that. That was that was really a trip learning that the specific tribe too. What tribe is it? Lisenio down in what's today LA. Um Miwok, which is north somewhere, I'm not sure. Um there was a tribe in Baja, California, I forgot what it was, and Mayan, so that'd be down in the Yucatan. The rest of it was like European, Spanish, Greek, Italian, um, Algerian, mostly Spanish, because all those all those different nationalities people from those places eventually ended up in spain and then the spanish came to the new world so i mean if you're if you're hispanic you should check out your dna there's probably a lot of european history there really interesting stuff do you feel like you got your native american from your father's side probably yeah but i'm not totally sure because my grandfather the guy that does taxes his father was an orphan we don't know anything about him oh I don't know how I got California Indian, because as far as I know, my family's from Chihuahua and Jalisco. Right. And, um... What, Chihuahua? Chihuahua's in the north, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty close to Baja. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, and I mean, I've asked everyone, like, what else? Do do you know anything else from from the past? Is everyone just sprout out of Chihuahua and Jalisco? They don't know. Because it's not a thing that they really kept records about. And if you're just, like, a a worker or something you worked in the fields you your history didn't mean anything right yeah so the dna i i don't know it's curious i'd like to know how i got california indian in there that's really cool because i grew up in california yeah. right yeah do you have california indian or do, I, I mean do you have indian i indian never, checked. never checked but i wouldn't be surprised uh, yeah. i i think i mostly have uh <clears throat> you know hispanic uh, european because I, I know you know I have a hairy chest and and stuff. That, that those oh, are, yeah. I got more traits got of, of European. Yeah, and the beard. <laughs> but you know I, I've it's I'm, I'm kind of paranoid when it comes to looking at my ancestry. Uh, I do know that I'm related through my mother's side to the Mexican poet who helped write the uh, Mexican anthem mm. in, in uh, back in the day. Back in eighteen. 18- Blah, 1812, yeah. 18, something like that. And, and, right. and knowing his story, I feel like I could relate because he didn't yeah. want to write the anthem. <laughs> like he was, he was forced to by his yeah. uh, by his wife. Mm-hmm. To, to, he, she locked him in in in, a, in his uh, room until mm-hmm. he came out with the lyrics, and he said like, "fuck it," and he just went down and did it. But uh, but I don't know. Like I haven't really done the whole DNA thing because um, oh, yeah. I, I I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm afraid to know my bat my my history or mm-hmm. maybe i just not ready to confront it i don't know like do you, do you seems like too much like maybe like oh i don't want to know everything maybe i'm a nazi i don't i'm too <laughs> maybe <laughs> i'm just a little too neurotic when it comes to the past with me for some yeah. reason i don't know why it comes from though well as far as you know your your background's mexican or what yeah is it? Okay. Both, both my parents came from mexico okay. from the michoacan area mm-hmm. um 
and uh, it's a pretty popular place to yeah. come from. From Mich- a lot of Michoacanos here. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, my grandpa came here through the Bracero program in the seventies. Oh wow! Yeah. So oh, that was still around in the seventies or around there. Because uh, okay, wow. Because I first heard about that starting in like nineteen ten. Like, that's a long. That's like when Mexicans first started right emigrating as farm workers. But anyway, wow. Still and, going. and then he he settled in Mountain View and he. He brought, you know, my dad and down the road. My dad met my mom in Mexico and brought her over here. And mm-hmm. They've been here since. Mm. But, um, yeah, for the most part, uh, that's as far as I know, my ancestry goes is Mexico mm-hmm. and some Spanish roots. Right, right. But as far as as any, you know, proper uh, native uh, genes, I don't know. Maybe. Well, Mexico's pretty mi- – Mexico's one of the um, – is one of the most mixed of the Latin countries. It's like almost com- – it's like – one of those mestizoized, if that's a word, mm-hmm. of the Latin countries. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Peru has uh, Peru has mostly pure Indian, and then Argentina has mostly um, Spanish and Italian European, right. and then Mexico is very mixed. So yeah. the Germans, the French, the Spanish, the, the yeah, some Asians, primarily Spanish and Indian. But yeah, you got yeah, you all, you saw the you saw some Mennonites that went down into um. Really? Mexico. Yeah. Right. That's I heard someone say that's that's where that's where the whole banda that's where they got the accordion from. I don't know if that that's true sense. or not, but yeah, that would make sense though. I, I yeah. can see that happening. <laughs> but yeah, and there's like Chinese in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. you got yeah, you got other groups there too. It's yeah. it's a melting. It's part of the whole North American melting pot deal too. It's just it's just they weren't as good as at wiping out the Indians as the Americans were. So well, you it, still see a lot of brown people in Mexico. I mean, I'm sure there is racism, but it wasn't to that extent of complete um, um, overpowering and, and, and trying to kill. You know, I, I think Mexico was actually the first country, not the first country, but they did not want slavery while the United yeah, States was Yeah, they didn't it. want slavery. They, and, they, they outlawed it. Right. And, but they did have Indian slaves you know, in the very beginning. But, yeah. And then they, uh, I, I knew that, you know, in the Constitution, the first draft of the Constitution, they were big into, you know, the uh, the environment they're like you can't oh, really yeah they hmm. they had the first in- environmental laws put in place oh wow of course that. it's so corrupt that nobody really pays attention to it right um, always comes down to money and uh, <laughs> and minimum wage I believe came out of the Mexican Constitution wow yeah really yeah so I don't know the during revolutionary times some great ideas come up sure the yeah, hard part yeah. is always trying to follow through or maintaining it yeah it ends up being rhetoric you know yeah. Like, like the American Revolution was all about freedom, the screaming freedom and liberty. And since the revolution, I think America has been really good at using the word freedom and trying to finagle the word to say, look, I'm, I'm richer than you, but it's good because you're free to choose whatever crappy job you want. You see, you're, you know, it's always a way of (laughs) freedom. It's a great idea It's just the practice is always a bit short of the of the goal, I think. Yeah. Right, right. Because yeah. you you got to think about infrastructure. You got to think about you know uh, it's, and I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a literal sense. I mean that mm-hmm. like on a on an almost sociological sense. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, uh, what what are the different classes, backgrounds, and all that, and how can they really mesh together in in a harmonious way? Mm-hmm. And it's difficult because everybody has some sort of ego. Through their Absolutely. identity, yeah, yeah. or through where they came from, what region, what religion, mm-hmm. what what beliefs. 
So, and I always tell people, I'm surprised that the United States has been this, you know, considering 300 years, and we're still, uh, considering how large the country is, and how many pockets of different communities are here, mm-hmm. I'm relatively surprised that we're still a country. Cause as, as far as... Because we're all over the place, in beliefs, and... In, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. Well, am I making sense? You can yeah, f- I mean that. that feel, feel free to be like, "Hey, you're full of bullshit, man." I don't know what you're talking that about. That blows my mind too. Like, how can we be so big and yet be yeah. a country? And because people say, "Look at Europe," like, but the thing with Europe, many of the countries are like the size of a state here. Mm-hmm. If California was its own country, it'd be so easy. You know, possibly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a smaller population to take care of, and it, oh, right. I, I thought you meant like if we were to split off, I mean, there'd be tension there. But if we were just a country, yeah, it would be easier. Yeah, yeah. if it already was there, yeah, yeah, because countries usually are. It's more economic. I think it's more efficient. Right. I mean, people were originally. We evolved in small bands. We didn't evolve. We didn't. We didn't come out in large. Um, um, city states or, or countries, so that's why it's that's why it's so tense. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so um, unstable. That's why we have w- major uh, inhumane wars every now and then. Yeah, because how do you organize this many people? I, 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 there's there's too many people. We don't know what we, yeah. we're not too many people with different wants. Yeah, and the technology is like just way beyond our capacity to. <clears throat> really embrace it at, at, a, at a at a mature level you know we still mm-hmm. if you have something like an a-bomb and you have an ego that's not a good combination right we can't let the russians just put missiles wherever they want it's gonna make us look like pussies <laughs> that's not a good attitude to have when you have technology like that you know you gotta you have why don't we talk with the russians and the russians well, why don't we talk with that's a better attitude to have if you're going to have technology like this but we're still in the jungle base we still have these egos we still have these i'm special you can't shit on me da, 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 da. we still have these um personalities we want vindicated we want to put out in the world and be like i am me and that's mm-hmm. it's also a very california thing the whole <laughs> I am me thing. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we got on the subject because you mentioned that you tried uh, Native American dancing. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> go back a bit. I, I love this subject. I just, I love sociology and history and everything. Yeah. How'd you get a Native American? Uh, so you figure out you got some Native American in you? Yeah, yeah. Um, recently, but back in the 90s, um, it was two movies, really. The Doors and Last of the Mohicans. Oh, dude. <laughs> Amazing films. Yeah. Oliver Stone's The Doors mm-hmm. and The Last Mohicans. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and Man, right? Michael Mann? Michael Mann did um, Last of the Mohicans and Oliver yeah. Stone, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole thing with uh, Jim Morrison, and then there was the there was the, 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 the Indian spirit there. It was actually Lloyd Red Crow Westerman. Who's it? I'm not familiar. He with was that. the old guy. Remember the old guy in the no, doors? Right. The old guy that was just appeared. He was also in um, Kevin Costner movie um, Dances with Wolves. He was the old guy. He was oh, in a lot of movies. Okay. Floyd Red Crow Westerman. I actually met him one time in Oakland um, at a powwow. But that's you know, eventually started going to powwows. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, the doors, the movie. Um, yeah, it just looks so awesome. Like this this guy just running around with. With his hair and his shirt off and dancing with Indians and just any woman he wants and I was like ah, that's what I want I want to do that I want to be I want to yeah. be that free crazy spirit too you know so I started and then I saw Last of the Mohicans where you know they're like running in the hills and their hair is running and they're like 
they're they're shooting deer and they something majestic about it. Yeah, and, and like the the girls, you know, the 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 European girl comes over. Oh, I love him. You just it's like I want that. You know, I want that too. So that, that's when I started like actually exercising. I used to be really unhealthy because I would just sit at home and watch cartoons and draw uh-huh. and just eat bacon and stuff. And then I started like running in the hills and growing my hair long and listening to the doors and stuff. And then I got really curious about Native Americans. <clears throat> so um, my mother connected me to the American Indian Center, um, which used to be over on Alameda back in the late 90s. It was a library and it was an Indian Center. Now it's a gym or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went over there. I showed them my artwork and they say, oh, we have there's a dance group that meets in the back. I'm like, Would you like to learn dancing? I'm like, yeah, Indian. Absolutely. You know, and uh, that's where I met. um a woman from Washington who's a, a Yakima Indian named um, Marilyn Umtouch, and I met a guy from Oklahoma who was Creek and Shawnee named Richard Blaylock. They became my really good friends, and they showed me, they introduced me to the world of powwow, dancing and everything, and I went, like, um, traveling around California to different powwows, meeting a lot of people. <clears throat> and I got into, I became a northern traditional dancer. And... Um, Eventually, I ended up taking over. The, they ended up giving me the class. Um, Richard went back to Oklahoma, and he let me teach the class. So I was teaching, I was teaching kids how to dance Native American dancing. Um, yeah, and uh, it was it was kind of a difficult time though too because I really, I'm not. I didn't grow up on a reservation. I really didn't. No one in my family had any like. You know, you we are we are this tribe, we are this nation. We're just you know, Mexicans are just they're just mestizos. They're just they're just Mexicans is what they are. There's no real connection to a past except Catholicism, and we came here for opportunities. That's usually the myth. That's as far as the myth goes. There's no like we are of the earth. You know, you got to kind of find that on your own, mm-hmm. unless you actually have like a full-blooded grandfather from who's Weechol or something, you know, and I didn't, I didn't really have that. I just had to kind of go to these things and kind of make it up. And it was in California, there's really a, a pan Indian kind of thing where it's like a lot of different tribes kind of getting together and trying to, trying to figure it out. And there's a lot of fighting because of that. There's a lot of politics, unfortunately. Um, there's a lot of people saying, Oh, that's not traditional. Oh, that is traditional. And it's, it's kind of hairy you know it's mm. very different from the romantic idea of uh you know dancing with indians and being one with the earth and all that and that's where i kind of got my that's where i got my real education and the difference between liberal ideals and how messy it actually is with people yeah real human beings and how our ideas of the world how it ought to be make it even messier because we hold so fast to them, you know. This is not the traditional way. When I came here, da 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 da. Well, you're acting like white people because da 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 da. And, and then what makes it even more confusing is most of the people aren't even full-blooded Indian. A lot of them are white also, or mixed white. Mm-hmm. So it's just this confusing mess. So, um, yeah, I I I was I was in the middle of all that. I was like I was fighting with my mother, you know. <clears throat> she was saying 
What, what are you doing that for? You're not an Indian. That's not our tradition. The tradition I gave you was the Catholic Church, the Virgin of Guadalupe and all that. And I said, that's European stuff, Mom. You don't, that's, that's not even really from here. That, that was just the Spaniards trying to get the, in- I was having that fight with my mother. Yeah. Um, but she's the one who introduced you to, oh, sorry. Uh, she was the one who introduced you to the, um, to the dance. Uh, Cause she took, you said she took you to the, uh, um, <coughs> oh, she took like, me to the American Indian Center. Yeah. So she yeah. was supportive in the beginning. Well, yeah, at that level, it was just, it was me drawing and I was in my room watching movies and stuff. She didn't know how far I was going to take it. I was going to try to use it to find an identity. Right. Because that's the thing about um, living in the postmodern world. We don't really know who we are. We don't really know what we are. We're just kind of, we kind of divorce ourselves from whatever cultural background we have. And we just become, we just become a consumer. And in the postmodern culture, you just kind of take from everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and you just kind of mix it up and you make it up. And, and so for a lot of people, it's fun. It's yeah. great. It's just yeah. dandy. But for someone more serious minded, they want to know what is it? What is the root of my being? Yeah. People like that usually end up joining cults, unfortunately. Or so I was one of the more serious ones, you know. Did, did you find your, your moment of being? No. Not yet? <laughs> no, I didn't. I finally, like, I finally relaxed on it. Um, it was creating way too much tension. I was having a huge identity crisis, like, what am I doing? Why am I teaching people how to do Native American dancing? I'm just a Mexican. I'm not, I had the whole inferiority complex about, uh, you know, being Mexican. I just felt like, oh, I, I, where do you feel that spawned from? Well, that came from family. Um, mostly, um, you know, my mother telling and and neighbors, just the culture in general, you kind of, whoops, get the feeling that, uh, because education wasn't emphasized in my house, but next door, um, my white neighbors, they would, oh, college, college, you got to go to college, you got to be disciplined. I'd come back home, oh, um, well, just do your homework whenever, you know. And, and then there was an emphasis on going to college. There was more emphasis on having a family, just getting a job. Um, and, um, oh, my God, I got lost. What, what was the question? <laughs> No, no, I went too far. No, because I, I could totally relate. I, I I grew up with that identity crisis oh, right. myself, uh, the, especially with crisis. with a bit of inferiority because right. uh, me coming from a Mexican, uh, me being Mexican American, uh, my family uh, they're more blue collar working class. So mm-hmm. for them, right, uh, for me to go to school was a thing to do. Right. Yeah. A- 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 Keep you out of trouble. Right. And so, but for for them. A lot of them is what they value is hard work. Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah, you, hard work and you, a family. Yeah, hard, hard work and not necessarily in the academic level. Right, right. And so for me, and the thing what separated me though was my father, because mm. from early on my father surrounded me with books, mm. as you can tell. So yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that kind of brought me a different perspective from my friends and my cousins. Mm-hmm. Who, who, you know, which I still helped out in the summers, you know, would, you know, mow lawns and these mm-hmm. big yeah. uh, houses and Los Autos and all mm-hmm. that. And, and, and we still worked outside with our hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, growing up with that and growing up with some sort of education and reading and, and me, I loved writing. Like I, I started writing at an early age and 
I got a bit of backlash from my own peers for that. Oh, know? yeah. Because <laughs> there's that stereotype. It's like, why are you acting so white? Like, And what do you mean by that? Well, now you think you're bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you think you're more educated now. It's like, no, I'm, I'm dumb as you are. It's just, yeah. you know, I have different interests. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for a while, I, I went through that crisis because I, I did not feel accepted by my Latino peers. Mm-hmm. And even then, I felt like this, uh, you know, the, the American way wasn't working out for me and my family. Mm-hmm. So I had that, that, that chip on my shoulder, especially here in Silicon Valley at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I could totally relate to that, to what you were saying. Uh, and I would yeah. get into arguments with my parents about that, too, myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, what my mother did, encur- she encouraged me in art. And th- she surrounded the house with books and everything. And um, my father didn't. He was just, he didn't understand why we needed books what the hell it's just wasting space and you know work he wanted me to work in the garage i hated working i wanted to have the tv on i want to be drawing um so my you know I, my credit my mother for that and my uncle my uncle was a big artist um i mean he, he loved painting <clears throat> is that where your your artist your art kind of got influenced by yeah your uncle? yeah they they got they both encouraged me my style is very different from my uncle that's a whole other story he's a he was a local character here in the Bear in the San Jose area back in the seventies. What kind of art was he doing? Very abstract. Um, he grew up in the sixties and the seventies, and um, he got very big into the abstract art movement of the eighties. In fact, he joined this community of um, artists that were um, that that had this. They had this place near the um, Santa Clara University. I forgot what it was. There's an article in Parade that I still have from 1986 or 87. It was a trip. Um, but they were called like the Bohemian Artists of San Jose. And mostly it was like wealthy white people who <laughs> wanted to separate from their families. They came from other parts of the country. Yeah. They came here and they found this and like, wow, this is awesome. Kind of contradicts the Bohemian, isn't it? Actually, it's very typical. Is it? Um, it's usually it's usually um, upper middle class Bourgeois. kids that that that, that they, they want to separate from the rigid structure of their parents. They want to come, and it's kind of like the <laughs> the the worst word is called slumming. You know. Yeah. <laughs> My uncle was actually he was actually a poor guy though, but he loved art, and yeah. he was like crazy wild. He was a crazy wild character. Was he a was a true just, bohemian. He actually was a bohemian yeah. in, in, its, in all its unromantic vigor, you know, <laughs> up until he, he just died recently. Oh, um, my condolences. Well, thanks. Um, but yeah, his whole spirit was just a crazy um, artistic free spirit. Um, yeah, so I got that from both my mother and my uncle. Um, and uh, that that's... But at the same time, they really didn't give me discipline. That's that's the American thing that you gotta have. You gotta you gotta be consistent. You got to come home. You gotta do your homework. You got to test well. You gotta fill out the. You gotta go to the colleges. You gotta you gotta you gotta participate. You know, um, it. <clears throat> and my mother didn't give me that kind of discipline. It was more like you know just dream. She was big on dreaming, so I grew up being a dreamer. So. I always kind of equated that with with the whole lazy Mexican thing because they just didn't they, they they their own parents didn't stress education and all that they just said 
you know, have a family and do what your mother says, you know, do, do what your parents say. Respect, always using the word respect all the time. Respecto, respect me, respect this. You, you, know? you don't like the word respect? Oh, you hear it too much, you know. <laughs> Why are you being so disrespectful, man? Come on. <laughs> Everyone uses that. I just hate that word, respect. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess I still kind of have a, a an inferiority complex because I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm, am I tainted because of my background? Like, I, I just don't want to, I hate filling out applications. I hate, like, standing in line and trying to do, th being consistent, you know. So I found I had to, like, really find my passion and make myself be consistent. And my wife helped a lot. She's from the Midwest, you know. She's, mm -hmm. she had a very strict, um, upbringing she had to do her homework she's very she does the taxes she does all that she's i wouldn't have be here right now without her not oh, sweet she's really awesome um in midwest did you meet her in the midwest you no i met her out here she was doing a native american poetry thing in san francisco back in 2000 and i was filming um and she saw me she liked me i liked her and we hit it off immediately and then she eventually moved out here and it was like, it just, it was very natural, organic, how we just kind of. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. That's rare these days. That's fucking amazing. It is rare. These days, my generation, at least. I, I don't know about yeah. your generation, but yeah. Oh, it, star it started in the sixties. I mean, oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks. And it's good that you guys work as a team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Now, do you feel like all these frustrations you had with the, with your inferiority complex in some ways, uh, Another key thing is try to uh, infuse that into your creativity, because as you mentioned, when you're working at Roundtable and mm -hmm. you were having, you were frustrated with the customers, and out of that came Fat Ball Man. Yeah, Ball Man. Ball Sorry, man. I know I call him okay. Fat Man. He is fat. Uh, so. <laughs> Ball Man. And <coughs> in some ways, did this help your your art? Do Do you feel like you're you're, you're talking your your feelings about yourself through your Eventually, it, it gets in. It gets. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't do art and not have your life come into it. It's just because it's all you know. Um, I mean, you can try and reproduce what you see in the media, and you can see artists like that. They're like that. They're just repeating what they see in the media. You know, I want this character to do this, and it looks like Spider Man. You, know? you can't help but have yourself come into it. Um, parts of your own life, like like Ball Man, all his frustrations are all my fr all the things that I don't ever say there's so many things I'd love to say but I can't say them just because I don't want to get my ass kicked yeah. <laughs> and because I don't want to end up on the street homeless right there's things I cannot say you know I, so I just put it in Ballman and I've a friend of mine one time uh she read my comic and she was like I just just saw her like get really serious like and she said oh my god I don't this is so weird you're like you're like this really nice guy, but this this character is so horrible and mean. I'm like, well, it's better you read it there than see it, you know, have me be an asshole, you know? Yeah. It's better that way. Maybe that's a solution to deal with people being assholes out there. Absolutely. Have them do art. Right. Yeah. Take it out on the canvas. Don't take it on people. I'm lucky in that I have art, you know. Not everyone is, for a few people are artists. And yeah. so they, they end up just being a crazy guy on the street <laughs> you know what dude i just realized this. it's interesting that you said that because i came uh, uh with a significant uh self-reflection recently and i was telling a friend about this like two days ago uh because a couple like a week ago i was having i was pretty frustrated because 
you know, I, I'm doing so much. You know, I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing filmmaking. I'm doing comedy, and you know, I'm 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 spreading myself thin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why am I this way? Why can't I just pick one and just dedicate to that mm. one? And then I came to the conclusion after like much self-reflection is that I'm a very angry, pissed off guy. <laughs> if I wasn't doing what I'm doing with this stuff, I would be, I would have been in, in jail. Right. I, I, right. I, I would have been in fights. I would have been uh, a complete asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I still have my personal and my economic struggles here living in San Jose right, currently. Right. And I'm like, it's funny that you said that. It's like, you know, it's better to put in your frustrations and stuff into your art. Absolutely. And have it yeah. speak for itself as opposed to manifesting it through your personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very much on the side of, of letting art just express what you are. I'm not on the side of of um, trying to control art because, oh, a kid's going to read this and he's going to think it's okay to do that, you know, and uh, I'm I'm on the uh, freedom of expression yeah. side of that equation, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Oh God, I I hate to imagine what I'd be like if I didn't have art. I, <laughs> I'd be in jail. I, I'd be on death row or something. <laughs> <laughs> me, me and you both. Tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I want to change the subject uh, because you also do body painting, correct? I only did it twice. Well, cause I, cause I saw it, I was looking through your stuff and it came up and I, Oh, you saw it on Facebook? Yeah. And, and, yeah, and I yeah. was interested in that because it's one thing to paint on a paper, but it's another thing is to paint on a human body. Mm-hmm. How was that experience for you? It was fun being that close to a 20 year old girl. I <laughs> just, I, oh, you know, um, uh, I kept it, I kept it. I was very professional, professional. Yes. <laughs> But all the time I'm thinking... You just convinced me I should get into art. I should, I should get into body art. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, it was... It's obviously very different because you're going... You're, um, the canvas is, is a human body, so you're going to all these nooks and crannies and everything. And um, also I was doing it in, in, in the dark using, uh, using um, uh, fluorescent paint. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh using fluorescent paint um under like a black light yeah it was also very it was very tiring because like i can't stop i gotta i gotta finish it i can't just like oh i'm gonna come i'll back come to, back and come a while. back tomorrow don't wash off the paint right you know <laughs> i have to finish it right there so by the end you know the thrill's kind of wearing off i'm just like oh this ankle <laughs> you know you're not quite as into it as when you start out um it's something that's fascinating. You look at it and you're like, wow, I, I love the female figure. It's just one of the most inspiring things to draw. I agree with you 100%. Um, and painting on the body, it's like, no, that's, that, that, that's too much privilege. I, oh, wow, you know? Um, it's probably not something that I'll pursue just because it's, it's this whole, it's a whole other thing, you know? It's like, I, I've, I, you can spread yourself too thin, like you said. And um, but when my friend Jesse um, Flora, he's the guy who had me come over. He owns a gallery down uh, up in San Mateo called Neologian. Um, it's gonna be moving soon. He's the one that wanted me to do that. He's um, I'm one of his uh, artists that he likes to have come up, and I'm one of the guys crazy enough to like just stay there and like draw uh, draw on two bodies in one night. <clears throat> 
Did um, you approach it already with a preconceived idea, or do you just let it happen in the moment? In that one, I just let it happen because I mean, how do you plan that? You know, you you put a a template of a body, and you know, I want this to be around the thigh. It's I just did it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was um, it was interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. It's 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 a rare, it's a nice privilege. <laughs> but caricature is still your bread and butter. Yeah, that one I can always do when I come home. It's easy. It's not always easy to get a girl over to do that. Uh, that that's why I, that'd be a whole different process. Yeah, getting that going. It'd be interesting. Um, but um, yeah, caricatures. Actually, I'm trying to get into fine art. That's very difficult. Hmm. I'm How trying so? to. Um, well, that's where I started. First of all, I mean, I I started out just making these 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 big paintings of like. Uh, for um, different Latino groups back in the uh, early 90s when I was in high school. Um, I did like, I was, I really admired the, 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 the tattoo art that you saw in prison. Um, just this, this collage of stuff that's become so mainstream now. At the time it was like so, it was so like, um, it was so radical and wow. I just, so I would like do all this art of all this like stuff heaped up, um, like a head, a body, flowers, cars, everything. Doing doing it in pencil now it's it's so commonplace it's like Zen doodles it's like it's not as interesting anymore but I I was doing that I was doing like big pieces like that and I was like finding a girl that I thought was really attractive and saying hey could I could I draw your portrait into this into the work that I'm doing and I did this one it was like a one called Mujeres de Aztlan I had like these two really pretty Latina girls and I had like this Aztec stuff and flowers and everything and I had it at a gallery over in that one on first street that the the hispanic one i forget what it's Makla. called makala right yeah. <clears throat> and i i had it like for t-shirts when i was in latinos student union back in high school at santa Teresa. that's where i started you know doing that kind of work and um but i didn't know how to get into galleries at that time i didn't really know any galleries it wasn't until I got into doing the caricatures and people started knowing me and I started to get connected to galleries and now I'm trying to get work together, but it's a matter, it's very time consuming to do an actual painting. <coughs> um, and it's really hard to discipline myself to really finish a good painting because I'm so used to just whipping out a bunch of fast caricatures, you know? Um, yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it does that oh, okay. once in a while. Um, Sorry about so, that. So, that's okay. Um, so, I, the solution is to actually have a show. Like, I have a show coming up in April at Collide Gallery. Mm -hmm. So, that's forced me to... to um, It's forced me to create a series. I'm working on a shaman series. For Collide right now, I'm doing a shaman theme. So, I'm, like, finding all these... Uh, just trying to pile up all, like, the any kind of culture any kind of like anything has to do with shaman or myth or magic and um and i i, I gotta throw in women just women are so beautiful i gotta throw a woman in there right now and then and and trying trying to like really make like like the peak of my ability just trying to do my absolute best best kind of work and create a large collection and so having a deadline helps and it's going to be in April that it's going to show at Collide Gallery, which is on 4th and San Fernando. It's also run by Sherry and Brian. And I have another, I always have a bunch of ones at Neologian Gallery. Um, but those ones, like, they come up so fast, like twice a month. So I've, I just whip them out really fast. But I don't feel like they're, like, 
really my great work because I'm not like taking a long time to work on it. So I'm finally working on something that's taking a while. Mm -hmm. I've got like four of them done so far, but I got to fill up a huge wall and I got to have them done by April. So, um, yeah, so I'm trying to get into fine arts, but not so far. It's not very lucrative. I mean, people just don't buy paintings very rarely. People will buy a caricature for 20 bucks or maybe a group for 40 bucks. Because they're in it. Right, because they're in it, <laughs> yeah. you know. But very few people will buy a painting for like 500 bucks or something like that, you know. So um, I haven't quite figured out how to make that work yet, how to, because like I said, I'm not wealthy, but I do have a passion for it. So how much can I, I really got to be on a shoestring, you know. Yeah, you're you're right. So people are not buying, right? That's something my wife complains about in the Bay Area a lot. That that people just don't they don't have an appreciation for fine art. It's like fast and simple and throwaway. You know, it's yeah, which is uh, unfortunate. But I just gotta paint. I I, I really want to paint good work. I I, I want to go in that direction. I really admire the fine artists of the old European tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, the classical tradition. I, I try to move back into that somehow, you know. Because, I mean, I love the... The postmodern culture is great. You know, you can experiment and play. But I like the idea of, like, a foundation. like. A, I mean, we reached the one-hour mark. Okay. We're here well, at the end. I thought it would be too short, yeah. man. It's, just, no, it's fun. No, no but it's great, great talking to you. I think there's a lot to take from it. Uh, I, I'm, I took a lot from it. That's great. Um, I got a lot from you, too. Where can people... Uh, Go online and check out your stuff. Do you have anything online? I have a website. Um, I don't update it very much. Mostly, okay, the website is www.mejiaarts.com. And Mejia is spelled M-E-J-I-A-A-R-T-S. That's the extra art. So there's two A's right next to each other. Um, but mostly, um, I'm mostly on Facebook. So... Just go to my just go to my name, David Mejia, and you'll see me. I'm like my profile is I'm I'm painting a dog. <laughs> There's like a dog sitting in a chair and I'm in the foreground, I'm painting the dog, he's in the chair. <laughs> David, thank you for coming. You're welcome. That was a great chat. Thanks for having me. And I think uh uh we're good, right? We had yeah, that comfortable. Was awesome. You got the microphone in front of you, so you mm-hmm. felt you felt because <laughs> you mentioned that you much prefer to have something in front of you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a requirement, but it's, yeah. it helps, I guess. All right, thank no, you. Having a great conversation that helps too. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for coming.